Welcome to the Commune Podcast. This is Jeff Krasnow. Many of you may receive my weekly Sunday Commusing article, where I address a breadth of issues from the spiritual to the physiological to the sociopolitical. And on occasion, I will also record an audio version of these articles and release it here as a bonus episode. So here are two existential questions for you. Are we all separate individuals having a separate solipsistic experience of life? Or are we all yoked by this shared phenomenon of subjective relativity? Or both? Now you could look through a microscope at the individual cells in your hand, but leave the laboratory and would your hand appear to be anything but a complete entity? You can witness the vast space between dots of ink through a microscope, but hold the newspaper in front of your face, and there is a complete image of a person of interest. Now you can zoom in, and you can zoom out, but all you'll find, as Alan Watts memorably uttered, is fleas upon fleas upon fleas. This week's episode explores relativity theory within the context of human transience. Now, it may be a bit maudlin in parts, but I've been exploring the Japanese aesthetic concept of wabi-sabi, the delightful sadness that characterizes impermanence. In any case, I hope you enjoy this week's commusing titled Sonder. Sonder. I climb the short stepladder and board the pint-sized prop plane from the airstrip. I've got no luggage to tow. And walking down the center aisle is always a bit like tramping the catwalk, eyes darting and diverting. The gallery conducts its assessment. It's mostly oldsters on this flight. They can be quite judgy. Expression focused, shoulders back, hips forward. I stride confidently toward my seat and fold my frame into 13A. The stewardess hands me a cup of water and a square paper napkin. I take a swig, and I instinctively reach for my felt tip and begin to dab at the serviette. Doing my best Georges Seurat, I fashion a slightly cockeyed heart from a hundred ink points. I stare longingly out the window at my three daughters, who are waving feverishly at me from the tarmac, simultaneously weeping and smiling. I flatten the napkin flush to the window. I reach down, untie my sneakers, and put them under the seat in front of me. My arm stretches up, and I twist the knob that is venting cool air on me clockwise to the off position. I pull at the strap from behind me and snap the buckle into place. I snatch an apple from my backpack that rests idly on the empty seat to my right. The palm of my left hand presses flat against the warm glass of the oval window, partially obstructing the sightline to my girls. Down, up, forward, back, right, left, now, 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 now. This is all there is. I eye the elderly woman stationed in the window seat of the row across the aisle, her gaze affixed to the horizon. There is one young couple in the row in front of her, white-knuckled, their hands tightly clutched, 
craning their necks a bit, they too peer out toward the setting sun. Our respective view of things is determined by our seat assignment, but regardless of aisle or window, each one of us feels like we're in the middle. I swivel the apple in my hand like a baseball pitcher looking for the right grip. I consider biting it. What is the center point of an apple's surface area, I wonder? I look back at the old lady, the young lovers, the sundry assortment of aged itinerants, and I'm blanketed by a profound sonder. An eerie silence pervades the cabin, akin to the atmosphere backstage after the final curtain call. Dramatis personae remove their worldly makeup, equally disappointed and relieved. Finally, the engine revs, the propeller spins, the blades blurring. The plane lurches forward, accelerating down the runway and shakily lifting off. My water, jostled, spills on the napkin, muddling my pointillism, individual dots bleeding, spilling into one another. I press my face to the window, my nose porcine. Rising, I still see them, Phoebe, Lolly, Micah, higher. Now, just my daughters, higher. Now, twigs, higher. Now, dots among the other evening mourners, higher. A red stream of traffic pulses along the city's vascular system. Arteries going, veins coming, higher. Little boxes on the hilltops, even higher. Objects give way to shadow and light, save for nature's most grandiose majesty. Snow glistens atop the imposing mountain, feeding a most vivacious river, feeding the ocean low and vast, feeding the clouds that now envelop me, feeding the snow that sparkles atop the mountain. I marvel at the water and the purposelessness of its course. I chuckle out loud. This reminds me of Phoebe's incessant pre-adolescent questioning. Why are we here, Daddy? She would inquire, wide-eyed, innocent. My nonchalant expression intimated a custody of the answer, but I would mercilessly make her wait and finally gruffly bark, Walk on! And she would. We're moving faster through the thinning air. In time's sweet dilation, I drift into an emotional charoscuro. With a delightful wistfulness, I remember all the rides down the hill and into town. The dance classes, the college essays, the coffee dates, the soccer games, the bedtime stories, the lunch making, the dishes, the dishes, the dishes. Nostalgia means our pain. If this craft could 180 and throttle to 186,300 miles per second, I'd hijack it. But it can barely muster 186 miles per hour. So in my inescapable transience, I exhale deep and long and press the silver button that reclines my seat. Mountain, river, ocean, clouds. I'm walking on. Goodbye.